the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 960, that's 602-5080-960. I was thinking about an interesting analog John Shattuck made here yesterday about how we know the negative effects that result from chronic depression, self-doubt, and self-destructive behavior in an individual. And thus, too, shouldn't we think about what it means for a nation to suffer from chronic depression, self-doubt, and self-destruction just as much? As Jean-Francois Ravel, the great French philosopher, put it, clearly a civilization that feels guilty for everything it is and does will lack the energy and conviction to defend itself. I was thinking about that in some news from the week when one Republican congresswoman got in trouble or criticized for speaking of calling for a national divorce. Now, she was a bit vague in what it all would entail, but a few things occur occur to me using the Shattuck analogs. First, we know how destructive divorce in a marriage can be, destructive to families, particularly to children. And I think it's probably right to also think about how destructive just the threat of a divorce is in a marriage. It has been said that divorce is a kind of death, a destruction of a small civilization. So I think it's worth pointing out the extrapolation of that and what it means if translated to a nation. Indeed, a nation we call exceptional and want to keep and make great. In speaking of a national divorce, it appears the chief complaints have to do with an overburdensome federal government and a lot of criticism of the left-wing culture and values that have infiltrated our institutions. We can, of course, I think, all agree on the overburdensome federal government part. As for the left-wing cultural values, it's worth pointing out and noting that while there are red states and blue states, to be sure, a national divorce will not necessarily solve the problem of protecting institutions from cultural Marxism and rot. For a lot of these problems come from corporations, multinational corporations that operate in every state. One might add athletic associations. One might add social media and video streaming services. But more importantly are schools that are indeed run at the subsidiarity and almost most local of levels you could imagine. And interestingly enough, the rot in some of those localities and at the smallest government angle possible, school boards, is in red states. Can leadership at the state level help address those in a way we may consider trickle-down or downstream? Can it make laws come up with regulations banning or stopping some of the problems we are speaking of? Yes, of course. But keep in mind, while divorce is almost always permanent, legislatures and governors are not. Just look at the red state of Arizona and what is changing nearly overnight between the last governor and this one. Over just the past decade, some of our favorite red states have had Democratic leadership. And just as well, over the past decade, some of the worst of the blue states have had Republican leadership. Take just Virginia for a moment, which just had a red wave based on those local school issues. 
some of the worst of the school issues are still being discovered and fought in that newly reconstituted red state. And sometimes they aren't won. They are lost. Now, all that being said, the criticism of the congressman puts me in mind of a line from Shakespeare's line from Hamlet, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. I am not speaking of the congresswoman. I am speaking and thinking of her detractors and critics. For which party and movement has been responsible for commencing the divorce action that has already been filed? Who has divided this house already? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended riots in our streets? What side, what movement, What party has allowed for, tolerated, and defended the tearing down of historical statues? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended, even initiated, dual national anthems? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the judicial usurpation of traditional and constitutional laws on public mores and morality like the protection of the beginning of life, and then moved from a potentially sensible series of protections for women and doctors to the defense and even encouragement of the taking of life up to and in some cases even after the moment of birth. What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the physical shredding of a United States President's State of the Union address as if it were merely the document of one party? What side, what movement, and what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the separating of people by race in violation of every ethic and ethos, the long march of civil rights in such cases as Brown versus Board of Education established? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the reestablishment of the doctrine of separate but equal? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that our Constitution should, in fact, tolerate castes here, and it is not or should not be colorblind? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that colorblindness is racism? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the divorce, if you will, of parental authority over their children when it comes to something as radical as changing a child's sex or gender? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended that it is affirmation therapy to change a child's sex or gender? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the effort for boys to use girls' restrooms and locker rooms and girls to use boys and compete in each other's sports teams? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and and defended the destruction of everything we used to call nature, including human nature? Just what side, what movement, and what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that five-year-olds should be taught to be ashamed of either their sex or their race or both? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that the police as an institution everywhere is a racist institution requiring either the defunding of it or its abolishment? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that this country is systematically racist? What side? What movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that one of the two major parties in this country is a party of fascism, as the chairman of the other party routinely says? 
What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that only one side of the political spectrum is entitled to freedom of speech? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that the Second Amendment to our Constitution is outdated? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the governmental mandate to inject medicines into human bodies against their will with the penalty being the loss of a job? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the use of children to soothe adult anxieties in the name of protecting against a virus that does not otherwise affect healthy children? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the ongoing destruction of our sovereignty, if not invasion, at our southern border and the refusal to enforce the sanctity of our borders? What side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended a growing crisis of rising crime and chronic homelessness, destroying not only entire neighborhoods but increasingly cities, never mind the individuals themselves? In a marriage... If one party continually breaks marital or wedding vows, engages in physical abuse, abandonments of affection and infidelities, it is considered blaming the victim. It is considered unjust. It is considered gaslighting to blame the party that raises the issue of divorce in its light. Is it not? If it's not obvious from my love of our party's founding, excuse me, if it's not obvious from my love of our country's founding, and if it's not obvious from my love of Abraham Lincoln, I'm against any formalizations of a national divorce, especially if its considerations include anything like what I consider a dreaded S-word, secession. As Charlie Kirk once put it on a stage we were sharing, when someone in the audience posited such a thing, he pointed to the American flag on the stage and said, that's the first thing that would go away. Please consider that after we all just pledged allegiance to it and consider it as sacred as we do. And perhaps, too, it's worth noting what side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended not standing for such a thing and taking a knee for such pledges and recitations of our star-spangled banner. So whatever my initial opening concerns were with the vague and perhaps not all too well thought out expression of one congresswoman, I'd like to paraphrase Lincoln to her critics. Are all your divorce and division proceedings to go unobserved and uncontradicted but one? And the government itself go to pieces lest that one be violated? The truth is, given all the division the left has wrought on this country, the miracle at Philadelphia that James Madison and George Washington spoke of truly has proven itself such a miracle in that we are still here in light of everything I just recited. Oh, and for those offended by the notion of dividing ourselves from our founding and separating ourselves from our moorings, what side, what movement, what party has allowed for and tolerated and defended the notion that 1776 should be erased and replaced with some other year, 157 years prior? Yes, I believe the ladies, critics, don't protest too much. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson's show, 602-508-0960, I was reading a piece over at Tablet Magazine called Welcome to America's Racialized Medical Schools. Earlier this month, it begins, the White House announced a five-year plan for redress—let me try that again. Earlier this month, the White House announced a five-year plan for redressing racial inequality. It is essentially the Biden administration's version of diversity, equity, and inclusion, sometimes known as DEI, like those issued by nearly every major university, only at a vastly larger scale. Now, let me pause on that before I go down that article too far. Um, Five-year plan redressing racial inequality. Five-year plan. Does that make anyone nervous? A friend of mine sent me an article off Fox News uh, last night. Um, saying this might be the most Orwellian thing he's ever seen. Biden executive order for woke artificial intelligence called social cancer is the title of the article. If you want to look it up, President Biden signed an an executive order on Thursday that critics warn will allow for the creation of woke artificial intelligence that promotes racial division and discrimination. The order directs all federal agencies to establish a yearly equity action plan aimed at helping underserved communities. In one section under embedding equity into government-wide processes, the director of the Office of Management and Budget is instructed to support equitable decision-making, promote equitable deployment of financial and technical assistance, and assist agencies in advancing equity as appropriate and wherever possible. I swear you read these things and it looks like they were actually written by artificial intelligence. Or deliberate idiocy. It's it's not it's 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 not idiocy. These are word salads where you think all you have to do is just throw these words like equitable around. But should it not make you nervous to think that the White House has announced a five year plan for doing so? It reminds me of something an old friend of mine passed away a couple of years ago um, once said, Michael Yulman. Whenever someone comes to you with a plan or an idea, read it out loud with a German accent. Five-year plan of redressing racial inequality. Let me go back to the tablet piece for a moment. The policy aims to advance an ambitious whole, I'm quoting, the policy aims to advance an ambitious whole-of-government approach. Whole-of-government approach. Again, what the heck is that different from government? The policy aims to advance an ambitious whole-of-government approach to racial equity and support for underserved communities by embedding equity goals in every aspect of the government. From the highest offices of the state down to the smallest local bureaucracies, DEI now pervades almost all levels of American society. And while it was once thought that the fringe racial theories that animate the DEI agenda could be confined to small liberal arts campuses, it is clear that is no longer the case. Let me pause on that for a moment, if you'll bear with me. Going back to the conversation I had, I think it was the point of my address in my monologue yesterday, when you don't stop or address or concern yourselves with a small wrong, it does not go away on its own. It grows, just like cancer. They are not self-defeating, and it's not just sufficient for one article to cover it. And it's often not even sufficient for just one effort to stop it. 
the example I was using yesterday, well, I used many, but I was giving the example of how we have gone from increasingly lethal drugs with our blithe and callous indifference to them to the point that we now have animal tranquilizers being used on the streets of San Francisco, killing people. Far more lethal than fentanyl. Because we didn't do enough on fentanyl. We didn't do anything on fentanyl because we didn't do enough on other opioids. And we didn't do enough on other opioids because we thought we solved the meth problem. We didn't do enough on the meth problem because we thought increasingly potent marijuana was no big deal. We didn't solve that problem because we became used to, adjusted, inured, and numb to a cocaine problem. And they all come back in greater and greater and bigger and bigger cycles like a Leviathan Leviathan itself. You do not address these problems. You will see this with the homeless crisis. I should say the chronic homeless crisis. It didn't start with San Francisco employees needing to be paid $85,000 a year to pick up human waste and ex- excuse me human waste and excrement. It didn't start there. And it's now getting worse because that wasn't bad enough and people didn't want to address that issue when we when we talked about it. If you don't stop a problem, it increases at rapid pace, sometimes exponential pace. And why do I say that on that paragraph? paragraph that said, while it was once thought that the fringe racial theories that animate the DEI agenda could be confined to small liberal arts campuses, it is clear that is no longer the case. I searched for the first use of DEI in its full phraseology and its acronym, diversity, equity, and inclusion, sometimes DIE, diversity, inclusion, and equity. First use in the New York Times. You want to guess the year? 2015. That's pretty quick. That's pretty quick. Seven, eight years for a phrase and a toxic ideology to suffuse the culture in the country and now the highest reaches of government. People thought I was a little bit nutty in January of 2017 for raising the cover in the special issue of National Geographic that year when they were bragging about and talking about changing the sexes of eight-year-old girls. I said, this is new and it's going to grow. There were radio talk shows that I was being interviewed on various issues around at the time and I wanted to bring that up and they told me not to. 2017. What is that, five years ago, six years ago? These things are growing at exponential pace and rate. If you don't do something about it, the moment you hear of it, it will get bigger. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. You'd think I'd get my own name right. 602-508-0960. Bob is in Mesa. Hi, Bob. How are you, sir? Hi, Hi Bob. I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate your uh, opening segment there. Thank I you. like the emphasis, and I can't remember the words. I'm going to have to listen to it again, but when you <laughs> said how they supported or allowed yeah, three or four things you said. Maybe you can refresh my memory. About 20 things that they divided this country over. It's like if, if why, why the left is all of a sudden 
upset about one congresswoman talking about a national divorce when they've been out breaking the wedding vows for decades upon decades in most in the most extreme forms. It's called blaming right, the right. victim, blaming the non-moving party here. And I, I know that you, you know, quite a good one you can't, but he's been saying this for at least a half dozen years. The Republicans need to run against the left. Yes. Because uh, if, if someone hears one debate or one statement like that, that maybe they will take to heart the fact that it isn't just two, uh, a guy and a guy or a guy and a gal or whatever mixture running against each other. Yeah, they're, they're good people. But when they support bad things, they're not good enough. I agree with you, Bob, and I agree with Dennis in saying that um, it is an ideology we are fighting, and it is a toxic ideology. And it's not enough just to speak about people. It's not enough for candidates to just say, I think or I believe. And then I hate I hate it even more so when they say, well, we're just going to have a difference of opinion on this. No, I am sorry. What the left represents is a difference of principle. It's a difference of the Republican principles upon which we were founded, and that's what we need to be campaigning against because that's that very set of uh, that very set of um, that very set of uh, perverted principles is what makes people wake up every morning and say, "Is this the country I went to bed in last night?" Exactly, and like I said, I love the way that you emphatically repeated it for each item. Oh, thanks. And any Republican or anyone who listens to talk radio will not disagree with a single one of those items. Oh, thank you. Uh, some other people might, but they also don't get the fact that you can be a middle-of-the-road Democrat and you still, they still vote as a block. Yes, doesn't, yes, I, 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 yes, I think that should appeal, that kind of talk should appeal to middle-of-the-road Democrats, and maybe they would even agree with 90% of it. They just think they have some kind of adherence or attachment to a party they don't think represents that in the main anymore. Isn't that another point of Dennis's, help me out, Bob or Bill, isn't that another point of Dennis's that the Democrats who uh, who claim to be centrists yet vote for oh, the yeah. Democrats are just as right. bad as the left because they don't understand what they're voting right. for. Yeah, well, right. Cinema and Manchin against the main people twice or three times in a session. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's right. All the rest of the time. That's right. Yeah, so, that's right. The, the, yes, that's right. The, the entirety of the of the conservative movement is willing to give them uh, a parade because they voted two or three times on a process and economic issue. That's about uh, it. Uh, yeah. Another quick quick thought from a national talk show that you guys uh, from a different station, but it, it's a very succinct thing. Is there a different this, station? A different, believe it or not, there are different uh, stations. I, no, I, 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 this is news to me. Okay. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe but it's in a different state. Guys, okay. 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 Re- remember that many Republicans are really Democrats, <laughs> and all Democrats are really Democrats. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I could accept that. Sure. Yeah, so, sure. So it's really it's a little clearer than that. But, you know, the Republicans, you know, you got some swishies in the middle, and we won't get into more, more name There's Yeah, no, there's a principle. No, you're you right. Know? You're, you're, you're right. We can't agree on everything, but they, there's some that tend to try to agree with the Democrats. We, we, we don't have to agree on everything. We can have differences of opinion. Thomas Jefferson in his first inaugural said every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle. We Republicans can have differences of opinion. What bothers us and what ruins this country is the differences of principle, the perversion, the perverted policies that are being thrust upon us with reckless abandon that would 
uh, make us look in a trice if the rest of the country went along would make us look like every country we've ever defeated on a battlefield. Indeed. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Seth. No, God bless you, and thank you. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. If you're on hold, we'll get right back to you, and there's always room for more. We'll be right back. In a State of the Union speech, President Biden doubled down on his spending plans, adding even more to the federal deficit, and that doesn't bode well for the value of your money. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth less, which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold with the only company that sells precious metals that Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already know and use, the Midas Gold Group. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the destruction of inflation and the ruin of a recession. Don't let Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. Check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, call them at 480-360-3000. That's 480 480- Three six zero, three thousand. I was talking about this DEI or DIE, however you want to print, however you want to make the acronym, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, article um, at uh, Tablet Magazine, and it says, "Welcome to America's, me- excuse me, welcome to America's radicalized medical schools." So this is now infused into medical education. Increasingly, the story says, medical schools and schools of public health are enthusiastically embracing the value of DEI and instituting far-reaching policies to demonstrate the commitments to the cause. To many in the universities and perhaps in the country at large, these values sound benign, merely an invitation to treat everyone fairly. In practice, however, DEI policies often promote a narrow set of ideological views that elevate race and gender to matters of extreme importance. Um... I can I can go on and on uh, with this article, but it's use. I want to use it as a launching pad for an op-ed over in the Washington Post by one Marilyn Singleton. The title caught my attention this morning. I'm a black physician, and I'm appalled by mandating implicit bias training. Board-certified anesthesiologist Marilyn Singleton writes. I'll never forget my parents' reaction when I was accepted to the University of California at San Francisco's medical school. Having attended segregated schools, my mother and father were thrilled that their daughter would attend a fully integrated, top-tier institution. When I graduated with a medical degree in 1973, a black woman in a class of mostly white men, there was a real sense that the days of obsessing over skin color and making race-based assumptions about our fellow human beings was finally fading and hopefully soon gone. For good. Apparently not. That racial obsession has come rushing back in academia, politics, businesses, and even in my beloved medical profession. But now it's coming from the opposite direction. The malignant, it's a good word, means cancerous. The malignant false assumption that black people are inherently inferior intellectually has been traded in for the malignant false assumption that white people are inherently racist. That is the basic message covered by implicit bias training, which is now mandatory for California physicians. It is a message that I believe is harmful both to physicians and patients. 
There is a sad irony in all of this because the misguided focus on racism is intended to improve the health and well-being of black patients in particular. The law, which took effect last year, includes other bias targets, including gender identity, age, and disability. But in practice, such training, a mainstay of the diversity and inclusion industry, worth an estimated $3.4 billion, is overwhelmingly about race. In California, where I've been licensed since 1974, every physician is required by law to participate in this racially regressive practice. Doctors must take implicit bias training not just once, but as part of the curriculum of continuing medical education for at least 50 hours every two years required to keep their medical licenses up to date or renewed. The training's focus is on exactly what the name suggests, deeply ingrained prejudice toward people of different races. There is no room for debate, for the law states baldly, quote, Implicit bias, meaning the attitudes or internalized stereotypes that affect our perceptions, actions, and decisions in an unconscious manner, exists, close quote. And the law asserts as fact that the implicit bias is responsible for racial and ethnic disparities in health care. I am so disturbed by the state's mandate that so far I have balked at the training, but I know that I must comply before the end of this year if I wish to have my medical license renewed. Many of my friends and colleagues ask why I'm so upset by the law. Clearly, implicit bias training isn't meant for me. It's aimed at white people who are far and away the biggest share of the medical profession. My answer is simple. I reject the unscientific accusation that people are defined by their race, not by their individual beliefs and choices. It is little consolation that studies are finding implicit bias training has no effect on its intended targets and might even make matters worse. Think about the message this mandate sends to black physicians. It suggests that I should be wary of my white colleagues because, after all, they're biased against people like me. Sure, they can undergo frequent training, but their bias is always going to be there beneath the surface, threatening to rear its ugly head. Collegially, excuse me, collegiality and collaboration, two essential components of high-quality medical care, are targeted by this mandate. Call that an implicit bias. Since I became a physician, I've seen exactly one instance of racism in healthcare, and it was from a patient, not a fellow physician. As for my co- that's a pretty good record since she's been practicing since 1974. I, wow. As for my colleagues, I have been consistently impressed with the conscientious, individualized care they have provided to patients of every race and culture. When we all took our oath to first do no harm, we meant it and we live it. I can't imagine spending my entire career thinking my peers can't uphold that oath without constant racial re-education. The message to physicians is bad enough, but the message to patients is much worse. Black people are in effect being told that white physicians are likely to quite literally damage our health. If that's the case, why on earth would you seek medical care unless you could be absolutely certain of not being treated by a white physician? And if you do seek medical care, why wouldn't you doubt every word from a white doctor who is obviously inherently prejudiced against you? The whole point of implicit bias training is to create better health outcomes for black patients and others who might be the target of discrimination, but the opposite seems far more likely. It fosters a climate of distrust and resentment that threatens to undermine the medical and moral progress I've seen over the decades. 
When I graduated from medical school, we were moving past the era of racial obsession and anger. Why are we going back to the days when race defined so many lives and dimmed so many futures? What a well-said piece by just probably the very exactly right person to say it. I'll have something more to say about it on the other side of this break. I'm Seth, 602-5080-960. You've probably been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what it means to invest with them, feel free to contact them. They urge you to, and they can uh, put you in touch with any number of satisfied clients and customers from the Phoenix area who are happily investing with them and getting great returns. Their phone number is 888-Y-REFI-34. They want me to ask you how your IRA is doing. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. 888-Y-Refi-34, or check them out online at investyrefi.com. Investyrefi.com. This uh, California African-American California doctor who wrote this piece in the Washington Post. It's brave. It has over 3,400 comments on it. I hate to even begin to look at them, so I won't. I don't believe... I, I know some... I, Dennis likes reading comments, right? I don't. I don't like reading the comments. Um, and anyway, I mean, we can get into that. But in the op-ed, she cites the uh, California law uh, that mandates physicians take 50 hours of implicit uh, bias training every uh, every 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 couple of years and the section of the law she states she quotes says implicit quote implicit bias meaning the attitudes or internalized stereotypes that affect our perceptions actions and decisions in an unconscious manner exists does anyone see a problem with that it exists in an unconscious manner well, I see several problems with it, and I'd love to debate someone who does this for a living, someone who does this training for a living. Is there ever an end point? And if there is, how would you know? I mean, if you have a problem of physicians who suffer from racial, being racists, who you know suffer from acting with racial bias, um, is 50 hours every couple of years enough? That's a serious problem, especially if it exists in an unconscious manner. How do you measure the result? If it exists in an unconscious manner, how do you know if the training ever works? I love this idea that it's an internalized stereotype that affects our perceptions, actions, and decisions in an unconscious manner. Well, if that's true, why can't we just mandate anything we want? People saying, well, we don't need it, and all we have to say is, oh, no, it exists. It's just unconscious. I'm telling you it exists. It's implicit, after all, and it's internalized. 
This is the power of the will. Whoever has the majority can just use words to declare anything they want and indoctrinate on anything they desire. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.